0: That was so good. I'm so excited to get into this message with you today. I wonder if our kids growing up will have the same experience that, that you and I probably did. Do you remember being so bored inside of your house that you start to try to count the little dots of popcorn on the ceiling? Or, or you look at the paintings or the pictures, the family pictures that, are, that were on the wall so closely that you can still to this day remember all the little details? My family wasn't incredibly artsy, but there is one painter who I can recognize his paintings because my mom had a couple of them in our house. And so I just, I I can still recall every little detail of the painting to this day. They're, They're by an artist by the name of Paul Arsenault, who's actually a Southwest Florida painter. He has been painting Southwest Florida landscapes since 1974. And he would paint the Naples Pier and other things around houses that we recognize. And there's just something about his style and his, his color palette and the way that he paints that I can recognize when it's his hand that made that brushstroke. And I know this is true across so many other painters that, that people who are educated, they, they can look and they can say, that that's a Rembrandt, that's a Picasso. And, and you can see because a painter's brush stroke is almost like their signature. The work of their hand, their identity just somehow spills out onto the canvas, and you can tell this is who painted that picture. I want to tell you that as we dive into this next series, this next series is called The Signature of God, and our theme verse helps us understand that when God's Brushstroke stroke is on your life. It looks like his signature. You can just tell when God's hand is active in someone's life. You see, that's not them, but that's something that God's doing. Our theme verse for this series comes from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. I wonder if that first statement is hard for you to accept. You are considered to be God's masterpiece. Not God's mistake. Not something that God forgot about. But he calls you his masterpiece. He says that he's created you anew. That that when you became a believer in Christ, you were considered a new creation, you have been changed, you have been transformed so that you can accomplish a a purpose that God had set for you long ago. That implication of change is important because so many people will come to church and they'll talk to a pastor and a Christian and they'll ask a question like, are you going to try to change me? Well, of course I'm not going to try to change you. But I'm pretty sure that God is. And that's not because you are worse than anybody else. The fact is we're all on the same level. All of us have sinned. All of us have messed up. And the truth is when God begins to have the authority in our life, it means transformation. Not just exterior change. Not not just trying to act like someone else. But when God is really a part of our life. Change should start to happen from the inside. And so, am I going to try to change you? No. It's not my job to try to change you. But if I'm telling you the truth, if I'm speaking Scripture to you, if the Holy Spirit is active in your life, I'm just going to be straight honest with you. Change is going to feel pretty natural. Change is going to feel like this is something that, that, that is going to happen, and it's not going to just be about the way that I dress, because the way that you dress doesn't really show what has changed. Many religions, there, there's an outfit, there's a requirement of the dress that you're supposed to wear. That's not how you tell that someone really is a Christian, because it starts on the inside. You know, if I was walking and went under a tree and all of a sudden a caterpillar fell out of the tree and onto my face, I would probably have to turn in my man card for a few days because I would freak out. Uh, Just the little thing that was there, it would freak me out. But if I was walking under a tree and a butterfly floated over and landed on my nose, I'd be like, hey, take a picture of that. Like, let's throw that on Instagram. Let's throw that on Facebook. How cool is that? Now, I recognize that they're the same critter, but they're very different from each other in my mind. The difference is, it's gone through a transformation. It's gone through a very serious change. Now, the believer in Christ... You get called God's masterpiece because you have been brought through a change. Not something of your own work, not something of your own ability, not something that you would be able to boast about because the believer in Christ says, this transformation that you've seen in me, it's only because of God's grace. It's only because of his love. It's only because of his work. And we know that when we see that brushstroke of humility, and we see that brushstroke of change, we know that's something that when we see it on someone's life, we're like, whoa, God is at work here. The gospel in your life, it means change. It means transformation. And so it's gonna come along with it. It's not gonna come through human hands, but it's gotta be something that God does and God does in your heart. God is strong enough that he could force his way into changing your life. But that's just not how He works. He knocks on the door. He calls you. He draws you. He, he asks you to not just change your life, but to change your heart. Because that's where that transformation really comes from, is a heart that falls in love with God. It's not just about the information. We see in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, the story of Nicodemus. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, which means teacher, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Nicodemus was a religious ruler who should understand these deeper teachings that Jesus was throwing out. But Jesus wanted him to understand that there was transformation that had to occur. And there's some great things going on in Nicodemus' life. Not every Pharisee, not every person was seeking out Jesus to talk with him, but you can see that Nicodemus was afraid of what other people were going to think because he came at night. I wonder how many people here have this yearning to grow closer to Jesus, to understand more, but they're so concerned about what other people might think about what other people might criticize, that they're reluctant to step forward in their faith. I want to encourage you, Jesus doesn't give up on you, but He will still challenge you. But the calling is the same. Transformation has to occur. Transformation is part of the message of Christianity. Transformation that is only possible when God is at work inside of us. This picture, you must be born again. Jesus, I'm sure, appreciates that Nicodemus calls him a teacher, that he's sent by God, but it's also very clear that Jesus didn't come to just be a teacher. Some of you only know Jesus as a teacher, and I want to tell you the delivery of content and information is not the goal. The goal is transformation. Transformation can occur because of content, but it's not just the content alone. It's when our heart decides to respond to that content. It's when the Father has been drawing us and we say, yes, I will follow, I will obey, I will listen, I will respond to you. And that's what he was trying to call out of Nicodemus. There is things that have to happen in your heart. You have to be born again. The gospel, it means change in our life. It means transformation in our life. And that's one of the ways that we see the brushstroke of God on people's lives is when this transformation begins to occur, not because someone else is trying to change them, but because they're allowing God to change their heart. Because the fact is, when God finds you, God loves you just as you are, but He loves you too much to leave you there too. This is the second important thing that I want you to know, and this is an important topic because this is usually like a pick your side of the fence, which side of the fight are you on? Are you on the grace side or are you on the truth side? And this is a problem because we hear these voices that are just saying grace, 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 grace everywhere, grace for everything. It's okay if if you don't want to follow that. It's okay if you want to jump in the water even though you don't know how to swim. It's okay if you don't want to breathe air right now. It's okay if he died as long as he died doing what he wanted to do. It's not always okay. There is wrong and there is right. There is a way that you should be living your life. There is truth. But th- the other side, there's problems on that as well because there is a whole side of people who are far too happy to stick their finger right in your face and tell you all the things that's wrong with you. Tell you all the problems that they think God has with you. And, and-, and neither one of these sides are healthy. And it's not that we need to figure out if we're on the grace side or if we're on the truth side, because what we see in the Gospel of John chapter 1 is that Jesus came and He was full of grace and truth. And this has to be where we are. This truth that that God loves you right where you are today. God is not angry at you. God has not given up on you. God loves you just as you are today, but He loves you far too much to leave you right where you are today it's strange because some people say pastor i love when you convict us and make us feel bad and i recognize all the bad things I've done. there's something wrong with that like if you come to church and the way that you feel spiritually healthy is by feeling guilty about yourself there's a problem with that and that's not the only way to be spiritually healthy Growth and conviction is part of it, but we don't have to feel bad about ourselves to be right with God. But on the same token, if you come to church and you never feel propelled to change, if you walk with God and you don't have any inkling of, I should change the way that I'm living, I should follow what scripture says, there's something unhealthy about that. And we need to live in a place where we recognize I have been adopted as God's dearly loved child and I am His no matter what. But because I'm His, I'm going to live like Him. I'm going to change. I'm going to grow. I'm going to follow what His voice is telling me to do. He loves you just as you are. But He loves you too much to leave you that way. This third truth is going to get right up in your business. And it's just, it's, it's straightforward. And this is a recognition that only you can make. No one else is going to point this at you. No one else is going to say this is you. But this is only for you to consider. This third truth, if I'm not changing, I might not really know God. Now look, I'm not your judge and no one else can be your judge. There's a Holy Spirit who has fulfilled that job. And I don't want to try to take that from Him. But you can recognize in yourself the question of, am I changing? First John 2, 4-6 says, If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living the truth. Now look, this, this attitude, this perspective of your life, that I know God, but I just don't care what He has to say about the way that I live. What Scripture says, and not my words is that you're lying to yourself. That you're deceiving yourself. That if you're going to just go through and say yes I'm a Christian but I I don't care what he has to say about my life then what scripture says is the truth is not in you but in verse 5 it says but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Now look this is important because the motivator for following those commands it's in here. It's not fear it's not worry. It's not fear of punishment. It's not something of, I'll get a great reward even. The motivator is love. Those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. This is how we know we are living for Him. In 1 John 5.3, he continues on and he says, Loving God means keeping His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. But let me clarify that. His commandments aren't burdensome when your reason for doing it is motivated out of love. When someone else is trying to pull you by the ear, I understand it is burdensome. It it is not joyful. It does not feel right. It feels foreign. And in fact, so many times throughout Scripture, God told His people, I don't want your sacrifices because they're not coming from your heart. Your songs, I hate them because your heart is far away from me. Because this gets down to the truth. No one else can make you a lover of God. No one else can make you a child of God. It's a decision that has to come from your heart so the gospel it means change god loves us just as we are but loves us too much to leave us there and if we aren't changing we might not really know god I mean, it's like change, change, transform, transform, transform today. And so how do we get there? Okay, that's that's the truth of scripture. That's the, that's the reality check that is right here in our face. But what do we do? How do we get there? And so I'm going to give you three declarations that, that I want to encourage you to, to put in your prayers, to put in your thoughts, to, to have as part of your day. Write this on your mirror so you see it in the morning. Save it as the home screen on your phone, and we're going to provide a download for that as well because I want these reminders to be in front of you all week long to encourage your heart because the fact is it's not a question of have I transformed enough have I changed enough am I meeting the line that Paul says we have to be at it's not what this is this is saying if you're gods you're gonna see growth and you're gonna see transformation and as God speaks to you on a daily basis are you giving him a yes so here's three encouragements to help you along that road. I will focus on who God wants me to be. That's the first one. I will focus on who God wants me to be. Now, initially, I wanted to say I will get over who I was and focus on who God wants me to be, but I don't want that in the de- declaration because I don't want you focusing on who you were anymore. We need to take the past and we need to put it behind us and press on towards what's ahead. We are new creations in Christ. What is old is gone and what is new has arrived. We need to press on towards what God is calling us to be. As we see the Apostle Paul writing in Romans 1, he doesn't introduce himself as a murderer. He doesn't introduce himself as a terrible person and as a terrible sinner. He introduces himself as Paul. A slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. Look, you have purpose and you have a future ahead of you. Our theme verse, we are God's masterpiece, made anew by Him to accomplish the good purposes He set out for us long ago. He has purposes for you to accomplish and we need to set our eyes towards that. I will focus on who God wants me to be. Not the husband that I have been, the husband I'm going to be. Not the mom that I have been, the mom that I'm going to be. Not the person and the lover of God that I have been, but the one that I'm going to be that's going to pursue Him with integrity and passion. Declaration number two that I want in front of you. I give God permission to change everything. This is a reality check. Because you can say this but if you're not open to it, you're just playing lip service. So when you say this prayer, say it meaningfully. The second declaration is, I give God permission to change everything. Now look, God doesn't need your permission to change anything. He's big enough to push you around if He wanted to. But that's just not how God operates. He invites us to change. His grace and love draws us in and as our heart responds with love we feel this desire to change and so saying I give God permission to change everything is saying God there's nothing that's off limits anymore because I recognize when you call me to change when you ask me to move something out of my life I recognize that it's for the better I can trust you even if I'm scared I give God permission to change everything in Galatians 5 It it deals with, it's a letter to the church and it says, lays out the desires of the flesh, things that were being seen in the church, sexual immorality, debauchery, so many things. And it, it says, that's in the church right now. But those who continue to live in those ways won't see the kingdom of heaven because that's just mountained up evidence, not that God needs it, but that you need to see it. That if my ways aren't changing, then my heart is not right. But then it says, what you will see in a heart that's right in Galatians 5, it begins to list the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are what are the things that just kind of like bubble up and come out of you even when you're not expecting it because the Holy Spirit is in your life. And I love the illustration of fruit because it's not something that gets attached to the tree, but it's something that grows out of the tree. In the same way, the work of the Holy Spirit, it's something that from The inside of our heart, the inside of our being, it grows out into our actions. And I recognize that you're not going to see them all pop out at the same time. You know, love and joy, we we, we like those ones quickly. Patience, (laughs) self-control, those take a little while, longer. But a, a question for you is, are you seeing the fruit? Are you seeing the growth? Are you seeing the signs, the the, the budding of the fruit, that something is happening? Or have you still pulled back and said, God, you can't touch that part of me. God, don't shine light on that. I'm not ready to see it yet. So the second declaration, it's it's not to appease God. It's not to appease the people you go to church with. It's not to appease me. It's to help you. Because when you begin to say, God, there's nothing off limits, that means there's nothing that's broken that I won't let you heal. There's no part of me that I'm going to continue to let be unhealthy. So God, you show it to me, and I'll give it to you. There's nothing that's off limits for you anymore. The third declaration is the change will start today. Now, I know so many of us have had the conversation with God of, yes, I, I feel you speaking to me that this change needs to occur, this addiction I need to get out of, it this habit needs to be destroyed, this change needs to start in my life. God, I agree with you, and we will change that sometime later. <laughs> because right now, God, we got to have this understanding that I, I just need this right now. like Like, things are so tough, things are so crazy, I just need that little pick-me-up to keep me going. And so that's just going to stay in my life right now. And so, people have told me, I know scripture says this, but I have an understanding with God. And I want to tell you, you do have an understanding with God, but it just happens to be the same understanding that everyone else has with God, because God's words, they don't change. They're always true. What he's written to us, the instruction in scripture is there to keep us away from destruction in life. We know that his word is always faithful. And so, The thing that you feel like you need to hang on to that you can't change at this moment. If he's calling you to change, he's not just calling you and asking you to change. He's giving you the strength that's necessary to make the change. I say that because Philippians chapter 2 teaches us that in verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God doesn't just plant the dream in our heart. He plants the ability to pursue and be successful at that dream, at that change, at that growth. He gives us that. We have to provide the willingness. We have to provide the yes. We have to say, yes, I'll take that first step. And He meets us there with the strength to be successful. The change, it has to start today because we have been living in things that are destructive and apart from our identity for far too long. I'm reminded of the story of Marina Chapman. You maybe have heard this story before. At the age of four years old, she was abducted from her home in Columbia, South America. She went through unspeakable abuse at the hands of men out in the middle of a jungle, and at four years old was left there for dead by them. She spent her first night in the woods believing someone will come for me. No one did. The second day, she said, surely someone will pass by. Someone will be here. No one came. On the third day, She saw a family of monkeys that were finding food on the forest floor and she moved towards them and they screeched at her, saw her as an enemy, tried to intimidate her, but she found some of the food they were eating and she followed them because she didn't know what else to do. The the family of monkeys eventually started intentionally leaving food behind her and slowly accepted her into their family as those days turned into weeks, turned into months. Listen to me. Turned into 10 years she lived that way from a four-year-old to a fourteen-year-old. You can look her story up and read about it. Marina Chapman, at fourteen, living in the treetops now, climbing the trees with this family of monkeys, she looked down and she saw a glimmer in the forest floor. And when she went down to look at it, she picked it up and she picked it up. She saw something looking back at her, so she threw it down and ran away. She worked up the courage to get back to it. And when she picked it up, she realized it wasn't just a set of eyes looking at her. It was her set of eyes. She had found a mirror. For the first time in 10 years, she truly saw herself. She had lost her language, her ability to speak. She growled and grunted like the monkeys did. But in that moment where she saw herself for the first time in a very long time, she didn't know what she was, but she knew what she wasn't. She knew that that's not how she was supposed to be living and that's not where she was supposed to be, but she didn't know where to go at the time. Now look, it's what the Word of God does for us. It's what a church service is supposed to do for us. It's supposed to create that mirror moment where we say, I don't yet know all the things that God wants to do in my life and what He wants to paint across my future, but I know what I've been in isn't where I'm supposed to be. She went back dissatisfied with that life because she knew that she didn't belong here. And I'm going to tell you, when God begins to plant a desire on your heart for change, that's that mirror moment. And what I would love is if you would allow us the opportunity to walk with you through that moment. Uh, we want to help you. We want to help you know God. We want to help you find a community of people that really will be a family to you. We want to help you discover your purpose and make a difference in this city, in this world. But I believe we can't do those things on our own. We need a church. We need a community. We need a group of people to help us make those steps that God wants us to take. And I'll tell you this for sure. You were designed to live in a community that genuinely cares about you. And if you've been living in a way that you have felt alone, You have felt isolated. You have felt abused by the people. You have felt left for dead. You need a church family around you that's going to help push you towards the future that God has for you because this is how your Heavenly Father speaks of you. For you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. I know there's a desire in your heart to make a difference in this world. I I know that there's a desire in you to do better and to grow. And the role of the church is to help you transform into all that God has planned for you to be. I want to pray for you. I want to help you. I hope you get connected. To a church whether it's Gulfside Church or some other one we need a church in our life as God continues to paint us into this masterpiece let's pray together Heavenly Father I thank you that you never leave us alone but you provide a way out and even through the craziness that's happening in the world and churches not being able to meet in person I thank you that today you're speaking to someone who wouldn't have come to church. And so I pray you encourage their heart. Help them to know that their Heavenly Father loves them so much that, they would, that you would work through this situation to draw them close. And that you don't just work in our heart giving us a desire, but you give us the strength to pursue it. So Father, help us to pursue all of the beauty that you have planned for us. The growth and healing in our own life and the ability to do good in this world, in the people, in the neighbors around us, in our community. May your church rise up to make a difference. We thank you for the opportunities you give us. Help us to to take hold of them. In Jesus' name, amen.